Good morning, everybody. It's Wednesday. Uh, it's beautiful. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for 10 with Tim. Good to see everybody today. I love you guys. We are in Isaiah chapter 30 and 31. Two little chapters for today. Gosh, I really love Isaiah chapter 30. It uh, really speaks to my heart today. I hope it does yours as well. I underline several verses, you know, as verses for my life. I mean, they're just so, so good. It's another one of those woe chapters. It begins with what sorrow or, or the word woe. Whoa. Uh, we're in a series of chapters, if you notice, all of which begin with this word woe. Uh, woe to those, in this case, woe to those who make plans contrary to the Lord's. Uh, we'll talk about that. How crazy. Um, but this word woe, I haven't really talked about it yet, I don't think. Woe is, is a word in prophetic literature that is used typically to identify or describe a particular action that is going to end in disaster, you know? So woe to those who make plans contrary to mine, the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 30, because any plan contrary to mine, the Lord would say, is going to end in disaster. Now, why is that? It is because God's plan is to bless you. God's plan is always only to bring you blessing. God is not against you. God is for you, you know? But for whatever reason, we get it in our heads that, that we're smarter than God is, that, that we can figure it out and find a shortcut to blessing or some quick route to greater blessing than what God would possibly give us. And I promise you, his hands are larger to bless you than anything you can get with your own hands. And this is a futility here in Isaiah chapter 30 and 31. Uh, it's just this choice between two plans, the uh, God's plan to bless his people and then the people's plan to get blessings for themselves. And again, woe to those who think they're going to bless themselves better than God can bless you. It's not going to end well for you. Uh, in, in the particular you know, historical instance here, what Isaiah is, is primarily preaching against is Judah's insistence that they're going to make an alliance with Egypt. Okay, it's like, have they never watched Tim with Tim? <laughs> have they never read the book of Exodus? No, I mean, do they not know who Egypt is? You know, it's just mind-blowing that, you know, Egypt is the answer to their prayers and not, you know, the Lord's help. But they're just convinced that an alliance with Egypt is going to save them against Assyria. Again, Judah is caught between these two great powers, Egypt and Assyria. And so their plan is, we're just going to, you know, we're going to join up with Egypt. You know, they're going to help us. Why? They've always, you know, had our best interest in, in mind. You know, it's, it's, it's just absurd. And over and over in these chapters, Isaiah just continues to say, they're not going to help you. Egypt is not going to help you. This is not going to be what you think it's going to be. Um, verses 6 and 7 are this little little poem kind of stuck in the middle of this larger prophetic oracle. Uh, the poem is about the animals crossing the Negev, you know, crossing the desert to Egypt. Um, and it's funny, sad, you know, pathetic. Uh, the caravan moves slowly because all the donkeys are weighed down with riches and the camels are loaded down with treasure, uh, traveling through a place with lions and lionesses and vipers and poisonous snakes and all this, you know, just a uh, Carry all this, you know, money across to Egypt because they don't promise to be your friend, and they're not going to be your, you know, um, this little ironic poem is uh, meant to mock the foolishness of depending on Egypt, but also don't miss 
the way in which this poem, you know, represents a reversal, you know, uh, uh, inversion of the original, you know, path to rescue, you know, I mean, leaving Egypt out of God's faithfulness and deliverance. And now, you know, you're walking that strange, same path on you going straight back into Egypt, you know, with money to pay the, you know, it's just insane, you, you know, but they are, you know, walking that same journey right back into Egypt, thinking that this time Egypt's going to be their friend. Um, therefore, I call her Egypt. I call her Rahab. In this case, Rahab is not the, you know, the prostitute from the book of Joshua, but but Rahab here is a reference to a mythical uh, sea monster, a dragon, and that's why he calls her Rahab. She's a harmless dragon, um, reference to Egypt there. Uh, from there, gosh, I mean, these uh, Isaiah's sermons are just so uh, amazing. Uh, verses eight through eleven, the the people basically, you know, f you know, telling us what kind of preaching they like to hear. Uh, they basically tell the seers, stop seeing. You know, a seer is a prophet. They tell the prophets, you know, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. You know, oh, you know. Um, that's always the temptation for listeners and also for preachers. Um, to be honest with you, I'd rather, I'd rather always have a nice message. I like to have a message that isn't going to offend anybody. I, I like to step into the pulpit knowing everybody's going to love this. You know, I, I'm going to have them laughing and crying at the same time. They're going to be so entertained, you know, but that's not the same thing as bringing a word from God. And my job, my, my responsibility uh, is not to, um, you know, bring people sweet sermons. You know, it, it is to bring, deliver the word of God, whether they want to hear it or don't want to hear it, whether they listen or don't listen, whether it flatters and comforts them and encourages them, or whether it, um, you know, flattens them with the truth of the gospel, you know. Um, forget all of this gloom. Get off your narrow path, you know. Get, get, write a new sermon, Isaiah. We're getting tired of all this doom and gloom, you know. Uh, whew. Um, uh, when God has called you to preach, you really shouldn't let, you know, the people write your sermon, you know, but that's always our temptation. Um uh, from here, there's some just beautiful verses. Look at verse 15. This is what the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. Wow. Why would we ever resist returning and resting in quietness and confidence? You know, I mean, like that sounds like everything I want. Like you, you all know right now, we're just, we're caring for our mom, caring for our dad trying to get through a really difficult family time. And, and on the one hand, man, resting, quietness. Yes, yes, that's what I want. But man, there's something in me. There's probably something in you. you know, yes, that's what I say I want. But man, that's not how I live. You know, I just continue to try to cram in so many things in a day, you know, to try to, you know, get a whole lot more work done than God would have intended that I do, you know, just for whatever reason to get ahead. Um, and returning and resting and quietness and confidence. Uh, you said, no, you have none of this. Again, remember that we're still in the context of Judah's plan to turn to Egypt for help. And, and from a political standpoint here, Isaiah is saying the foreign policy of the nation must be based on the confidence we find in relying upon God. You know, the first step in foreign policy is reliance upon God. In that instance, you're making your decision 
out of confidence in the Lord and not out of fear of Egypt or fear of Assyria, you know, or weakness or naivete, you know, it's out of confidence. So as a believer, as a person who trusts in God, I mean, you and I, we should make our decisions, every decision we make based on a reliance upon God, a confidence in him and not make decisions out of fear or anxiety or greed. You know what I'm saying? Everything just based on this rest and quiet and confidence that comes in a relationship with God. Now, now with that, uh, the central nerve of your relationship with God is your ability to hear his voice. And I know, because I'm a pastor, I talk to people all the time and say, I don't know that God speaks to me, but I'm telling you, he does. He does. Um, and I love verse 18 so much. Um, the Lord must wait for you to come home to him so he can show you his love and compassion. You get that? I mean, we're often like, man, just waiting on God. But, you know, God's waiting on us. And God is waiting on you. And God's waiting on you to get your stuff together and come to him and get serious about a real relationship with him. Now, verse 21, your own ears will hear him. Now, that's a promise. It's a description of reality. Your own ears will hear him. You are intended to hear God's voice. Your life is meant to be this ongoing, personal, intimate conversation with the shepherd of your soul. This is the lifeblood. This is the central nerve of your faith, of your relationship with him. You've got to hear his voice. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way you should go. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, God speaks to you. Uh, and you can hear him. It's a miracle, but the miracle isn't that you're so good at listening. The miracle is that God is just so good at speaking. So stop being anxious about it. Stop saying, I don't think I can hear his voice. Okay, you probably can't, but he can speak to you, and that's two different things. You know what I'm saying? Trust in his wisdom and his ability to speak and quit trying to find confidence in your ability to hear. God knows I'm not any good at hearing his voice. That's why he shouts at me, you know, and waves his arms. And I mean, he knows I'm blind, you know. So, you know, everything he prints out for me is in large type. I mean, you know, God knows how to get my attention. God knows how to speak to me and God knows how to speak to you. You will hear a voice. You know, that's what it says. I mean, not an audible voice. I don't hear an audible voice, but I think it's louder than that. You know, it's God's voice speaking to me. Um, this is the way. In other words, God has a way for you in every circumstance and every day. God has a plan, a way for you to walk. And, 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 and the point is, his way for you is not announced ahead of time. Instead, it's whispered along the way. That's why I say your life has to be this ongoing relationship of listening, you know, for his voice, because uh, that's how he guides us. It's, it's not, you know, you know, you know, like, you know, a, a printout, you know, of, you know, GPS directions, you know, you know, turn by turn. No, it's just a voice behind you, a whisper, you know, as you go. Uh, and, and that's how God reveals his, his way to you. You can hear his voice. You must learn to hear his voice. This is what it means to grow deeper in your faith. I mean, literally, hearing his voice is how you grow deeper in, in, in faith. If, if all of this seems overwhelming to you, let me make it easy for you. Start where we're already starting. Start with his written word. Learn to hear his voice in the word. So stay with me. Stay with Tim with Tim. Stay in the book of Isaiah. And just don't just read it to get it read. Read the written word with a, 
with an ear toward listening to what God might be saying to you. Look for a commandment to obey or look for some truth to claim or some promise you know, to claim. Uh, just you know, read, but don't just read to get through the words. Read you know, with an eye for what God would be saying to you today. You know, and then with that life in the word, just get in the habit of talking to God all the time. You know, just you know, talking practically, talking specifically and, and nonstop about all the things that matter to you. Just start the conversation and don't ever end it. Pray without ceasing, right? Uh, just start this conversation and you just talk to God about everything that matters to you all the time. You just talk to him uh, all the time. And then with that, develop a habit of listening, you know, all the time, deliberately, uh, just paying close attention to everything that happens around you because God could speak in any multitude of ways, typically in the things around you, your circumstances, the people, the word. So keep your eyes open, your ears open, but also just learn to delight in in those moments when you feel like he breaks through and delight in those moments when you hear because that's going to be a moment for you to obey. You know, you don't listen to, you know, to, you know, to learn something, you listen, you know, for a, for a word, a command to obey, you know, so whatever he says, you do that when he speaks, this is the way you walk in it. You understand? Um, verse 30, chapter 31, I didn't get to get to, it's another woe chapter, but, but for what it's worth, it's just a continued little chapter that is condemning Judah for following their own plan with Egypt instead of the plan that God has for them. So there you go. Pick up right there with me tomorrow. Again, two chapters, chapter 32 and chapter 33. I hope these two chapter little, you know, not, uh, days aren't overwhelming to you. Just stay with me, you know, read slowly, listen for God's voice. But chapters 32 and chapter 33 for tomorrow. Like I said, I'm still taking care of, of our mom. Uh, we don't know how much longer she's got with us. Uh, so again, one of these mornings, I'm probably not going to be here because I'll probably be at that point, uh, you know, d d dealing with, with mom, with dad. So uh, anyway, if I disappear, that's where I am. But but just pray for me and just know that I love you all and I love this time in the Word. So listen, uh, Lord willing, I'll see you in the morning, 10 o'clock for Isaiah chapters 32 and 33, okay? I'll see you tomorrow.